Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. Wheeland Presley Funeral Home and Crematory have been serving Quad City families and veterans since 1889. Wheeland Presley Funeral Homes are located in Rock Island, Milan, and Reynolds, and are proud supporters of WQPT. Alternatives is a proud supporter of WQPT and has been serving our community for 40 years. Alternatives provides professional guidance to maintain independence and quality of life for older adults and adults with disabilities. Gathering enough food to eat and a place to shop and hop in the cities. You don't have to look far to see the impact of inflation. Grocery store bills are up 13% from a year ago. Rent, energy, other costs, putting a dent, a big one, on people's pocketbooks. These rising costs come as students throughout the cities are trying to make sure families are fed this winter. The student hunger drive in full swing at 15 different high schools, but it's coming to an end November 10th. We talked with the new director of the Riverbend Food Bank, Nancy Rankus, about the students' all-out effort and the need we're seeing as 2022 draws to a close. So Nancy, the student uh, hunger drive is in full swing right now. So how well is it going at this point? It's going very well. The student hunger drive is such a community project that it always overwhelms me that we kick this off and the whole community immediately starts helping us and participating with us. And there are activities happening throughout our community where the kids are engaged and raising money and funds, it's off to a great start. Now it's off to a great start, but you have until November 10th, I believe, in order to contribute. I mean, it, it's a mad rush towards the end, isn't it? It really is, Jim. We, um, the students at the very beginning, there's so much energy. And then as we get closer to that deadline, it just really accelerates with additional activities being planned. Um, throughout the community. And so there's definitely a mad dash to that loading day on November 10th. Well, Nancy, I mean, you've been away for a while. I mean, you're up in my old stomping grounds of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. You've come back. I mean, you're so familiar with the student hunger drive. I mean, there's nothing, I know people have duplicated it, but really in so many different ways, there's nothing really like it. I agree. I've never seen anything like it where, again, the entire community starting with the ambassadors at the schools, the superintendents of the schools, the principals, all the way down to the little kids who are bringing in food so they have the opportunity to hit their teacher um, in the face with a pie because they brought in enough food donations. Our corporate community, IH Mississippi Valley Credit Union, Hy-Vee, the John Deere Foundation, Bechtel Trust, coming in and helping us by financially supporting this event. To all of our neighbors, grandmas, grandpas, everybody getting engaged and contributing to this amazing event. I don't think there is anything like it anywhere else, Jim. 
Well, I, I think it's interesting how you put it together as kind of almost even a family event, but it really has become a huge autumn tradition throughout the Quad City area, particularly for the high schools, of course. It has. Um, this is the 36th year for this event, and it continues to grow each year. And it's something that I think not only do we look forward to, because obviously we benefit from all of their hard work with the food donations that they gather for us and the funds they gather, but it is something the schools look forward to every year. This is the biggest food collection drive, of course, for the Riverbend Food Bank, is it not? I mean, put this into perspective for us as opposed to, let's say, the, uh, the collection among the Postal Service in the spring. Um, how, how critically important is this particular food drive? This food drive for us, especially in our current economic conditions, is more critical than ever. Last year, these kids um, provided over 700,000 meals for hungry people in our community. And with the need in our communities accelerating and our food donations unfortunately being down from who we typically look to for food donations, this food um, this year is going to be more critical than ever and is by far our largest food drive. So tell me what the food bank is like right now. Um, what is, I mean, are, are the shelves, of course, are stocked, but I'm sure they're deplenished. They are. We are sort of see, starting, beginning to see our food um, donations stabilize a little bit. But earlier this year, it was, it was very concerning, not just for our food bank, but food banks throughout the country. We are um, finding ourselves purchasing more food than what we have um, previously. And we're able to do that um, due to the generosity of our community. But typically we usually rely so much more on donations and now we're actually having to purchase more food than what we're, we're used to doing. And I would think that would surprise a number of people that you do actually go out and purchase food. It's not just all donated food. Explain to me that process and, and what exactly do you end up having to purchase because you just don't have it in your supplies? So food purchasing for food banks has always been a part of our a business plan of what we do, but we're doing it, as I said, a lot more now. And what happens is we look for food that we know are stables for our guests to have in their home. And we will go out and buy that by the pallet, by the truckload. Um, we do purchase our food at wholesale prices, just like a grocery store does. So we're not going and paying retail prices um, but it is something that we have a list of items that we need to make sure we have in our warehouse. And if they're available, there, there aren't issues with the supply chain, then those are typically the items that we're purchasing. Things like peanut butter, things like um, uh, individual, you know, small meals that people can pop in the microwave and eat, produce, all those types of things. We have gotten through the pandemic when uh, food banks and food pantries were so you know, critically necessary for so many people. Now we're in what some are saying the start of a recession, but definitely bad economic times for some families where budgets are very tight. How does this compare right now to perhaps a year and a half to two years ago during the pandemic? I think all of us food banks breathed a little bit of sigh of relief when we could see where we were coming out of the hunger issues that were associated with, with the pandemic. And then almost immediately, inflation started to go up and food supply started to go down. And so we've had to adjust again 
to making sure that we can supply the food that our partner agencies need in order to be able to feed the guests that are standing in their line. An example would be, we have pantries at North Park and South Park Mall. During the height of COVID, we would give those families somewhere between 50 and 60 pounds of food when they came for a visit. And I happened to be there um, on Wednesday and we were only able to give 28 pounds of food. So we are working diligently to try to get the food supply back up. But for now, our guests are seeing um, smaller amount of items in their in their box or in their cart based on the short shortness of food donations. And of course, we're coming up to the holidays. You know, we're coming up to Thanksgiving and Christmas, which is always known for meals uh, in particular. I mean, is this like a tougher time for these families? I mean, not only nutritionally, but also, I guess, in some ways, you know, mentally, it, it gets to bog down on you when you're unable to uh, provide for yourself or your family. It's, it's a, that's a great statement. Um, I watched it on Wednesday when I was at North Park where families come in and they immediately look at how much food are we able to give them that day and wonder, is it going to be enough? Is it going to be enough to, to take care of their family and their kids or whoever might, might be living in their household? Christmas just puts on, the holidays put on additional stress um, where you're trying to do so many things for your family. And we're just trying to make sure we have enough so that we can take one worry off of someone's plate, um, and that is food for their family for the holidays. I know one of the common themes for the student hunger drive, and a good way to educate the kids themselves is by pointing out how many children uh, go hungry. Um, I, I believe it's about 9 million uh, American children uh, tend to be uh, food insecure right now. I mean, that really does hit these students, you know, squarely where they live. When I had the opportunity to speak at the kickoff for Student Hunger Drive, that's one of the statistics I shared with those students was that one in seven children in our community daily face food insecurity and how important this drive was for someone who could possibly be sitting next to them in the classroom. So isn't it in a way, I mean, the Student Hunger Drive, not only a food collection program, but also you know, very much an education for these kids, and if not, the community that just kind of points out the need. You know, it's an education on the hunger issue, um, obviously, definitely. But it also, for these students who are doing it, they're learning skills that they might not otherwise learn. They, as student ambassadors leading their school, they have to arrange all of the activities. They have to set their goals on what they hope to collect. They also have to arrange delivery of that food to come to the warehouse on November 10th. They bring that here. They figure out logistics of getting that here. So not only does it help us educate the community about the hunger issue, but also we feel that it, it gives some life skills um, for the students as they're participating. Well, in these waning days of the student hunger drive, I mean, how can people help? I mean, I, I know that oftentimes monetary donations are good, but you want to help some of these schools as well. Um, with, with particular types of foods that are being collected? So um, there are a couple of um, unique options uh, that I, one of them started last year where if you do want to help monetarily, but you want to make sure it goes to your school that you want to support, you can go to our website, riverbendfoodbank.org, and there will be a drop-down bar where you can select your school 
to make sure any monetary donation you make gets credited to that school. If you're thinking about food donations, we ask that you think about staples. What are the staples that you have in your house that you rely on every single day? And those are the things that our guests would appreciate having as well. Well, and Nancy, as we said, you've been away for a few months from the Quad Cities. Welcome back. Is it good to be back? Thank you so much. It is wonderful to be back. I had the privilege of um, work, working at a food bank up in, as you said, Eau Claire, Wisconsin for about two and a half years. Great community, uh, wonderful um, team that I worked with. But it is nice to be back. We have um, two of our children and um, four of our grandchildren are back here. And so it's nice to to be around them again. Our thanks to the new director of the Riverbend Food Bank, Nancy Rankus. And once again, the Student Hunger Drive wraps up November 10th. And welcome to November, as many of the activities in the cities moves from outdoors to indoors. And Laura Adams has some great ideas for you and your family as you head out and about. This is Out and About for November 4th through 12th. Celebrate our veterans at the Veterans Day Parade that steps off at 10 a.m. in downtown Davenport on November 11th. And it's time to kick off the holidays in downtown Moline during Holiday Hop on November 11th and 12th. Finish the cycling season at the Turkey Burner on the Leclerc Levee on the 5th. And the Muscatine Art Gallery presents Elephant and Piggy, beloved children's characters at their exhibit through February 5th. It's a party at the Freight House Farmer's Market Fall Fest, November 4th through 6th. There's a Fall Antique Spectacular Vintage Market at the QCCA Expo Center on the 4th, while the Edwards Congregational UCC Craft Show takes place the 5th. Kansas perform at the Isle Casino Hotel on the 11th. The ZZ Top Tribute Band Mizippi Mud perform at Rhythm City Casino on the 11th, and Slaughter perform at Wild Rose Casino in Clinton on the 5th. The Quad City Symphony Orchestra perform Masterworks 2, Fit for a King, November 5th at 7.30. Circa 21 opens their new show, Irving Berlin's White Christmas on the 9th. The 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee takes the stage at Galvin Fine Arts Center, November 10th through 12th. The drama, 12 Angry Jurors, is presented at Playcrafters Barn Theater through the 13th. And Motherhood the Musical opens at the Black Box Theater in downtown Moline through the 12th. For more information, visit wqpt.org. Thank you, Laura. Electric Larry has been part of the city's music scene for decades, a lover of blues and country music. We caught up with him at Moline's Black Box Theater, where he played one of his originals. Here's Electric Larry with I'm Still Here Hurting. I'm sitting hurting over you. I'm sitting hurting over you. I'm sitting here, don't know what to do. I'm sitting here looking at the wall. I'm sitting here. Looking at the wall I'm sitting here Wondering what went wrong I'm sitting here Wishing you were home 
Electric Larry with I'm Still Here Hurting, performed at Moline's Black Box Theater. The holiday season may seem weeks away, but for local merchants, the sooner you shop at their stores, the better. And in downtown Moline, it all kicks off with the fifth annual Holiday Hop. And we talked with Amy Trimble, the co-owner of Watermark Corners, about the efforts to get people downtown right now and through the end of the year. Fifth annual Holiday Hop, so, so what's new this year compared to the last four years? Well... <laughs> First of all, we aren't in COVID, so we're Big excited deal. about that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so everything is open. Um, last year at this time, the John Deere Pavilion was just reopening for the first time um, since pre-COVID. So this year, they've been open a year. Um, they have exciting things going on there. Um, this year, we have more businesses than before. We're over 50 already with more wow. being added. Well, when we talk about Holiday Hop, some people may not be all that familiar. I mean, it started like half a decade ago. It was kind of the downtown Moline businesses kind of saying, hey, let's kick off the Christmas season with a way to make it family friendly and people going place to place to place to place to give you a taste of what exactly downtown Moline has. It's grown from that, but that's still the basis, isn't it? Absolutely. So I'm going to take it back a little bit farther. Yeah. It actually goes back to 1999 when Beth Laga Marcino and I partnered together for our first holiday open house uh, the year we opened. And so we did our, we did our uh, open house in conjunction. We had our own trolley. Uh, at the time, we had a couple other businesses, a stationery store and a flower shop, and we ran the trolley. We did that for several years, just the two of us. And fast forward, and then at one point, uh, the downtown business organization decided to uh, build on that, and we created uh, Get Jazzed for the Holidays. So that went about seven years. And that. then we rebranded it five years ago to the Holiday Hop. So the whole idea is that each business 
has an event in their business, uh, an open house, something to celebrate their customers, invite people in, and then we all market it together, and people get to go business to business from the bars and restaurants to uh, like the Black Box Theater that has Santa and gives out books to the kids from WQPT um, to the retail businesses, um, and it's family-friendly, and you're supporting small businesses in Moline. And I wanted to underline those two points. First off, that it's family-friendly, but also the businesses. So let's start with the family-friendly. This is something that you really want to bring kids and your entire family oh, to. Oh, absolutely. It's Christmas, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> well, it's Christmas without kids. Um, but from Santa, there are trolley rides. Well, there are trolleys that can get you to the places, but of course the kids are going to see it as a fun trolley Absolutely. ride. Now, new this year, uh, we actually have two trolleys and then a uh, third city bus that is handicapped accessible. So for the first time, we really can truly um, have everyone participating in the event. Well, and let's be honest, downtowns used to be, I mean, Sears was downtown, yeah. Penny's was downtown, Montgomery Wards was downtown. Now it's really local businesses that are downtown. And it's critically important, as you well know, uh, is to get people to think local, shop local. Very important. You know, as the, as the malls have have changed and dwindled and are, dare I say that you, you use the words died, our downtowns are being are more important to our communities than ever before. And to see the vitalization, especially coming out of COVID the last couple of years, uh, with businesses expanding, new businesses coming down, um, it's really an exciting part to be part of a downtown, an exciting time. Well, and I want to talk about that as well, but let's talk about your institutional memory. As you were pointing out, 1999 <laughs> is when you kind of started this off with Lago Marcino's. That downtown has changed so much. <laughs> All of them have, but I mean, perhaps Moline is one of the biggest uh, transformations since the mid to late 90s. Well, I'll give you, so my first apartment out of college in 1998, before we opened mm. Watermark Corners, um, I lived in, <clears throat> excuse me, I lived in the LeClaire Hotel. Okay. At that point, for a year and a half, I don't remember once walking to a bar or restaurant. There just weren't any other than Lagos, and then there was Finney's, which is now River House. Right. Those were the two downtown. Fast forward, I lived in the LeClaire Hotel again in 2011, 2012 for almost a year, and there were 24 bars and restaurants within walking distance. Right. So just in that 12-year period, 13-year period, it was amazing the development that has gone on. Um, spurred, you know, somewhat starting with the Jonder Pavilion and the Mark, which is now back to the Mark, um, and that development and all of that has spread, and they're it's all local vibrancy. restaurants. Yes. Yeah, there, there, yeah. There, there's that vibrancy, and there's also that, that local, you know, down-to-earth, family-run businesses that you get a feeling for as well. And now we're entering into almost a new era with the old bridge uh, really gone from Moline. You know, it's still in the river, of course. And the new bridge there, the roads and streets are done. So, so is this almost the start of a new chapter? And does this holiday hop kind of underline the fact that this is a new beginning? Absolutely. You know, with the with the bridge on the Illinois side, the city is working with Renew Moline to completely redevelop that area that has become available because of the old bridge. And so the city is really using that as a as a as a starting point to to do kind of a, a new revitalization, which sure. you have to do every couple of years um, with any organization or city. You have to keep things fresh. You have to keep adding new amenities. Um, and I, I it's been really exciting to see the city support events like the Holiday Hop and get involved because it shows that they 
support our downtown and they support our small businesses and they're willing to promote it and and help us help us succeed. Well, let's talk about this holiday season right now. It's been very tough for merchants. You're talking about supply chain issues. <laughs> you're talking about inflation. You're talking about you know families really looking for a bigger bang for the buck. As a local business owner, what are you for, what are you forecasting? I guess for this <laughs> holiday season. Uh, as a as a retail store owner, right. my first reaction is I'm choosing to run my business. I'm choosing not to realize that there is a recession. I'm I'm choosing to run my business as if there weren't. Of course, we have to be careful. Um, but I I am not letting it scare me in the way I run my business. Um, there have been supply chain issues, but then you, if something you can't get one product or one type of item, you switch and find something else. Um, we we are being careful with what type of items we buy. We're being careful. We're we're looking at what people are interested in, um, what they're honest, wanting to a, spend money on. And as a merchant, you have to be nimble. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So I think well, but you know, in the 23 years that we've been in business, this is our 24th Christmas. We've been through a lot of ups and downs, 9-11, right. <laughs> um, um, and that whole period, and there have been several. So I guess I'm looking at this as just one more fluctuation in, in the normal cycle of running a business, and you have to be flexible. And, but that being said, it is more important than ever that people support local businesses. We are, you know, the local businesses, we, we invest money back into the community at a far higher rate than any of the big box stores. And uh, you are literally helping mom and pa businesses and families support their families. And uh, we need to keep the small businesses to keep our downtowns alive and to have events like the Holiday Hop that are free events that you can bring your kids to and enjoy an evening out um, as a family. And, and one other thing that the Holiday Hop really does kind of underline is that you guys are a community. I mean, the downtown has come together. It is kind of speaking as much as it can with one voice and is not only promoting yourself, but are promoting, you know, your neighbors and, and other businesses. businesses. It's um, so our downtown business association, our organization, uh, Mullen Center Main Street, we meet once a month and it, we call it a merchants meeting. And it's solely for the merchants and small business owners and managers to get together and share news of what's happening in their business, to find out what's going on event-wise, what people are going to be coming in. Visit Quad Cities comes to our meeting. The Chamber comes to our meetings. We often have a representative from the Mark. Uh, and, and we share this information so that we can all work together, um, which is evidenced by the cruise ships that have brought, the Viking cruise ships and the American Cruise Line that have brought hundreds and hundreds of people in the first season alone. And they've been coming involved in our meetings so that we're, we as vendor, as, as retailers and restaurants, at mer as merchants, all know and are prepared for when they come to town. So the last several years, and it's been coming out of COVID more vital than ever, that we have really pulled together as business owners um, with the support of the city to keep communication going and to work together and, and, and put together events like this. Thank you, Amy Trimble of Watermark Corners. The Holiday Hop runs Friday, November 11th through Saturday, November 12th in downtown Moline. On the air, on the radio, on the web, on your mobile device, and streaming on your computer. Thanks for taking some time to join us as we talk about the issues on the cities.
Wheeland Presley Funeral Home and Crematory have been serving Quad City families and veterans since 1889. Wheeland Presley Funeral Homes are located in Rock Island, Milan, and Reynolds, and are proud supporters of WQPT. Alternatives is a proud supporter of WQPT and has been serving our community for 40 years. Alternatives provides professional guidance to maintain independence and quality of life for older adults and adults with disabilities.